What's going on, everybody, and welcome to episode number 31. Happy New Year, everybody, from RizzoCast. Episode number 31 is here. I'm Steven Risotto. If you're uh, kind of new here, I'm doing something different to start off the new year, something that I've really enjoyed doing. I've had one episode of this already. It's uh, I don't know if RizzoCast Takeover is a good name. I haven't decided if I want to you know, because it's kind of a lame name, but whatever, we'll deal with that later. But RizzoCast Takeover is the name of it now where you could join me, co-host, go ahead, we could talk whatever you want to talk about and it should be a lot of fun. So that's what I'm kind of starting the year with. And we are joined today by a very, very special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself and uh, something a little bit about you? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Shoy. I uh, follow NPB, I guess, and also MLB. Yeah, the Japanese Baseball League will be a, uh, a primetime topic for discussion today. And this is something that we hear about every offseason with different players coming over, uh, different players, you know, going over. Uh, so it's a really interesting subject that I feel like a lot of people don't know too much about. So I think it's a nice, a nice addition. Um, and Troy has been wanting to come on and I see his tweets and I feel bad every time I like either ignore them or say, okay, okay. And I'm glad to, to finally, um, to finally have him on. So super excited about that. Um, so let's, let's first talk here about the culture in, in uh, the baseball culture in Japan. And it's a really interesting thing because uh, we got a close up look at Korea uh, this, this past um, year with, you know, more Korean games being televised on ESPN. What are some of the differences? Because uh, I know some people kind of, you know, combine the two. I, I think that's a little bit unfair. But what are some of the differences and what is the culture of Japanese baseball? Well, so in Korea, it's like very much a hitter's league. Pitchers don't usually succeed as much as hitters do if they're coming over from the U.S. or from other countries. In Japan, it's a very old school league. Most of the time, it's the pitchers who are the ones getting the spotlight. Um, there's a lot of small ball going on. So if you're a baseball purist, that might be the league for you, as MLB seems to be trending away from the small ball type of play. Um, fans there are crazy. They love their teams. They're always chanting, always cheering. Uh, they have a song for each player wow. that comes up. And so I think that's really on display during the World Baseball Classic or like the Premier 12 or some sort of national tournaments like that where games are played in Japan. It's the entire outfield is going crazy. It's it's a really different atmosphere from in the MLB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, WBC is is probably one of the best things baseball has introduced. And I know it's it's kind of a little bit weary for teams to have their players participate in it. Um, just because it's spring training and they, you know, they, they pin it on that, you know, if a player's yeah. off to a slow start and, um, but I think it's exciting. You probably agree with me. How exciting has the world baseball classic been? I know I definitely don't remember the first few ones that we've had, but I was actually at the game in 2013 at, at Oracle park. Um, oh, yeah. uh, I'm blanking on the teams that played. It might've been, it was definitely Puerto Rico. Netherlands were, uh, was one of them. I think Puerto Rico or Dominican played them. I can't remember. Uh, but was it was definitely like a semifinal game. Yes, it was a semifinal I game, am. and people were bringing in like the drums and stuff. It was such a cool yeah. atmosphere. So I was wondering what, like, how important 
is the the WBC in Japan because I mean they have powerhouse baseball over there. Well, so the national team is sort of like the biggest thing in Japan through uh, for baseball. Like in MLB, we have the national team, but it's mostly comprised of guys not on forty man rosters because MLB won't allow that except during the World Baseball Classic. But in Japan, if the Olympics are in Japan, they will stop the season for the Olympics. If the if there's a tournament going on in like December, they will have guys prepare like in September, October, and they'll decide the teams like maybe like a year in advance so that they can prepare for the tournament. And so I think the World Baseball Classic is like the biggest culmination of that because that's the one time that they get to play against like real MLB guys. There's tournaments that are definitely like more instantly impactful in Japan, if so to say, because like the finals are in Japan, for instance, the 2019 Premier 12, where uh, the entire final round was in Japan at the Tokyo Dome. And the finals were Japan-Korea, which are like two, I think they said it was like two of the best teams in the world. Two wow. gigantic rivals going at it, rematch of the 2015 tournament where Korea beat Japan in the semifinals. But so the World Baseball Classic is like, I think long-term it has a bigger impact, but like instantly, instant impact, like other tournaments might have a bigger impact. I know personally the 2017 World Baseball Classic was probably some of the most fun baseball I've ever watched. I don't remember the other tournaments. I remember the 2013 finals were in uh, San Francisco and I was like, oh, I want to go. But then I never got around to it. I feel like if the rest of the tournament had gone more like the 2017 tournament, I might have gone. But mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, we did not pay for those tickets. I'll tell you that much. I don't remember how we got them, to be honest. Um, wow. Because I didn't really know what it was at the time because it was, you know, I... I was younger, I guess, but um, now I think it's extremely exciting, as you mentioned. Uh, and I think it's interesting that they really hype up J- Japanese baseball. Really hypes up, you know, attention on the national stage. They want to showcase their players. They know they have talent over there. I think that's really cool uh, that they're they're able to you know form teams years in advance or a year in advance to get ready for that. So I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, is it Japan that has the uh, the All Star Game bunting contest? I think so. Um, I haven't. Uh, that might be. Yeah, I think so. Because that is probably the coolest thing that you know. Major League Baseball would never do that because nobody cares about bunting, as it seems, and that's unfortunate. I like. Well, I don't like. Well, <laughs> how do I want to phrase this? Bunting has been replaced by the 450 feet homers and oh, no, that is uh that that is korea darn I it you know what yeah. See, i was just saying it's that still, people it's still cool yeah it is still very cool but i was just saying how people combine the two and there i go i just did it so that's a big l on my part um and i i, I just remember seeing the video like six years ago of it i didn't really look that much into it at the time so yeah there's that I do know what did happen in Japan was uh, some guy was was bouncing on a trampoline um, or did this happen in Japan? Some guy was bouncing on a trampoline and Barry Bonds was hitting in tight jeans and Bonds was hitting homers. So I thought <laughs> I mean, that, that might have been Japan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The most Barry Bonds thing to happen. And and there is there is a, a, a classic, right, that happens where 
like some MLB all-stars take the trip to Japan. I know they did Taiwan uh, a few times. Is that, how often does that happen where they, where they take the players and they do like a Japanese series? I don't think they do it that often. Like I think they stopped it for a while and then they restarted in 2015 and then, uh, or 2014 It was right after the world series. I remember that. Mm -hmm. And then they did it again in 2018 yeah. So it seems to be about every four years. I don't know how it's going to be going forward, but yeah, hopefully that could get solved times. and we could see that again. Because yeah, um, those games were on MLB Network and um, national exposure is always good exposure. All right, so let's get to some of the, the kind of the current news here, and um, we we talked off the air about this and how to pronounce his name, and I know I'm going to screw it up, but yeah. here we go, Tomoyuki. Yuki uh, Sugano is the name that yeah, everybody's talking it. about. There we go. I nailed it. It's the name that everybody's talking about. Um, and he is the next prodigy out of Japan. He's 31 years of age. And he is looking to come over here uh, to the United States to play baseball. Although there is also a realistic chance that he takes the offer from the giants in japan uh the your your i can't say this either uh, yomiuri yomiuri giants yeah. uh which from what i've heard has three opt-out clauses so give me kind of a situation of what's going on with sugano from kind of the the japan perspective okay so uh sugano like as you said he's 31 he's coming off of a season where he won the mvp but not the Cy Young, or the Salomura, which is the equivalent of the Cy Young. Mm-hmm. So his value is probably at an all-time high right now. I think from his perspective, it might be worth it to take an MLB offer because, as you said, they're offering, or MLB teams are offering a little bit more money than the Yomiuri Giants were. But at the same time, Sugano's team, the Yomiuri Giants, have been swept in the Nippon Series, the equivalent of the World Series, two years in a row by the same team, and Sugano's uncle is the manager of the Yomiuri Giants. So it might also be worth it for him to come back, try to get revenge on the South Bank Hawks, who are the team that swapped him two years in a row. So it's honestly a situation where I don't know what's going to happen. I hope that he comes here to the U.S. I want to see what he does in the U.S. Because he had a start in the World Baseball Classic where he played against Team USA went six innings, gave up like one unearned run, struck out six or seven, I think. So I think that he can succeed here. I think if he goes back to Japan, he'll continue to be one of the best pitchers in Japan, if not the single best pitcher in Japan. So I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And I'm looking at his his, uh, Wikipedia page here, and it says 6'1", right-handed pitcher, threw 98 in college, uh, but the fastball velocity has been down. Uh, he had a he had a ligament damage in his right elbow, but he rehabbed it, and then he set ninety six in two thousand ninety six miles an hour on his fastball. So definitely a, a legitimate arm from Japan here, um, and I know uh, there's teams interested. I know a lot of a lot of Japanese players have gone to the Mariners. I know Sho- uh, Shohei Otani is you know obviously in Anaheim. Is there is there like a big appeal on the west cl- uh, on the west coast? Maybe because it's uh, an easier you know an easier process to get to Japan. You don't have to fly over 
the Middle East. You don't have to fly over all these all these countries. What? Well, why is why is the uh, the West Coast so attractive to some of these players? I mean, the Mariners. That's where Ichiro went, and yeah. at the time when Ichiro came to the Mariners, they were owned by Nintendo, so there was a bit of familiarity there because the Mariners were on TV every night. The owner was a guy from Japan who owns the biggest company in Japan. So that might be why players go to the Mariners. Um, I know for Yusei Kikuchi, it was just a matter of like, he got to be with Ichiro, if only for a little bit. And I think he said it was the best location for him because Seattle has a big Japanese community. Um, I think more so than the Angels teams where players would prefer going to the Dodgers because Hideo Nobo went there, yeah. the first really big Japanese pitcher to come from Japan to America. Um, also, the Yankees are in there. Like, obviously not a West Coast team, but again, it's the matter of like big name team that like is known worldwide, and the fact that like New York, LA, those communities are such big boiling pots of different types of people that you're bound to have some sort of at least Asian American, Japanese American community in the area. I think. That's why they prefer to go to those bigger locations. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he goes to, uh, if he stays in Japan. Uh, you mentioned his uncle is is the the manager, which I mean, if you have a situation going well like that, I mean, it'd be pretty hard to leave it. But then again, Major League Baseball's got the money aspect. How does the posting system work? Because I know teams are are teams in Japan strict on on that kind of thing, or or how does how does the posting system work? It honestly depends. Um, some teams are very open with doing it, like the Hokkaido Nippon Fighters. Like they posted Darvish, Otani, and then just this off season, uh, Nishikawa, who didn't get an offer with an MLB team, but he was still posted, and uh, Arihara, who signed with the Rangers, what like a week ago or something. So they are very open to uh, to posting their players if they want to come over. Other teams, like the Yomiuri Giants, they were very strict about it in the past. They almost outright refused to do it. But then last offseason, they posted Shun Yamaguchi, who signed with the Blue Jays. This offseason, they posted uh, Sugano. So it honestly depends on the team. Like Some teams are very committed to winning in Japan. Some teams are more committed to making sure that the players on their teams get the best or get what they want, really. Wow, that's really interesting. So where where did Ichiro play? Which team did Ichiro play when he was in Japan? Uh, he played for the Oryx Blue Wave, which are a team that doesn't exist anymore. They <laughs> merged with another team called the Kintetsu Buffaloes. So Ichiro and killed them. They... <laughs> By leaving, he killed the team. I'm, honestly, maybe. I don't know. Um, but now they operate under the name Oryx Buffaloes. Hmm. Yeah. So how beloved is that guy? How beloved is Ichiro? Like, I mean, like, obviously, hands down, the best player to ever come out of Japan. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk, I mean, Hideki Matsui was great. I'm um, looking at the all the other people that came out of Japan. Nori Aoki had a respectable career. Um, you know, Kaz Matsui's there, uh, Hideki's brother. Other than that, there's not a lot of, you know, accomplished position players but the pitchers i mean there's there's an all-star rotation of nomo hiroki kuroda yu darvish uh masahiro tanaka hisashi wakuma dice k the list goes kenta maeda the list goes on and on so 
how beloved is Ichiro and how like how because there's not a lot of position players to come out of Japan. Why is that there's so many? Uh, I just I guess I just blended those two questions. First of all, how how beloved uh, is Ichiro? I'm gonna correct you real quick. Uh, Kazumatsui is not related to Hideki. He's not. They oh, have the, there we they go have the same last name, but they're not related. <laughs> Watch, Kaz is probably Korean, and I messed that up. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, how beloved is Ichiro? He's very beloved. Uh, he's obviously, as you said, one of the best players ever to come out of Japan, if not the best player. He's sort of like this figure above. It's like how Kobe Bryant was for a long time here. It's like. He seems to be larger than life, but at the same time, like, not because he's not that much is known about him, like, privately. Just on the field, he's this larger than life, just sort of like a god of baseball. What do you think about this U Darvish trade? U Darvish getting a chance to go to San Diego. Um, he had a great year last year with the Cubs, finished second in the National League Cy Young voting. How good is you, Darvish, and, and how good will that Padres rotation be with him in it? I mean, I think this year was like what you, Darvish, is really capable of since or ever since he came over from Japan. I feel like he finally put it together. He had a really dominant season all around. And I hope that having a full season won't affect that because in a 60-game sprint, you can sort of – air it all out like every single time you're on the mound because you're only making 10 11 starts mm-hmm. but in a season where you have to make what 30 31 starts maybe he won't go as hard every single start and that might affect it but man that padres rotation it's crazy just they're gonna be happened, so good it happened overnight it happened overnight with blake snell and you darvish and darvish has a career 11.1 strikeout per nine so he's yeah. he's had his fair share of bumps in the road you know from a pitching standpoint in 2018 with the cubs he had a 4.95 earned run average uh in 40 innings and he still had 11 strikeouts per nine so that's pretty crazy even at his worst <laughs> he's still striking out guys so that's really really impressive so masahiro tanaka is a free agent and i want to get your take on this because i heard that uh, he made a comment or something that going back to Japan is not off the table. It's not, you know, yeah. it's, he won't rule it out a hundred percent. So is returning to Japan. We've seen, I know Nori Aoki was there recently, or I don't know if he's still playing. He might be. Uh, is it, is it like a, what's the process like for them uh, to go back to Japan? And then we'll get the, the foreigners aspect of it in a minute. Well, so uh, Tanaka has said for a long time that he wants to finish his career with the uh, Tohoku Rakuten Golden Eagles, the team that he started out with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that going back to Japan playing for the Eagles isn't off the table for sure, especially if it's something that he said that he wanted to commit to. Um, I think that like the process of signing in Japan isn't that different from the process of signing in America. Just like talking to guys, especially since Tanaka lives in Japan, it's a lot easier for him to get in contact with team representatives or like an agent whatnot. So I think that like the process isn't something that's out of the ordinary, but also Nori Aoki is still playing. Uh, He's 40 years old and he was the team captain for a while since coming back. That's awesome. I think he gave it up this season. That's awesome. So I know, um, 
I know there's some the, some players overseas, and they do their scouting. They they do their fair share of scouting. Um, not Japan, but KBO just got Andrew Suarez um, from the Giants. So yeah, they're another Asian team that that often makes moves for foreign players. So kind of update us on some of the foreign players that are in Japan right now in the league and and how they're doing. So quick update on those guys. Okay, so I guess the biggest guy to talk about is Adam Jones. Um, yeah. He went to the Oryx Buffaloes, Ichiro's old team that merged with another team <laughs> um, last offseason. And it was a bit surprising because people thought that he still had a pretty decent career here. He could have gotten offers. I think he did get offers. But then he said he just wanted to play in Japan. And his season this year in Oryx, in, uh, it was very similar to what he had last year in uh, in Arizona. The average, basically identical, but on base was a little bit higher. He was getting on base more. I think people were respecting the name of Adam Jones, you know? And also just the play style in Japan's a little bit different. Um, guys will bite corners more. And then I guess in Japan, they're a little bit more aggressive. So they get away with biting the corners. But then when pitchers come to America, they continue to do that. But then guys are more okay with just taking pitches which is why the walk totals are usually a lot higher when guys come to America. So, That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, like his power was still there. He was st- he stole one base um, compared to two last season in Arizona. So it was uh, very much just like an Adam Jones season. And another guy that's in Japan, uh, Matt Moore, played for the Rays for a long time, played for the Giants for a couple of seasons. He is on that SoftBank team that swept Sugano two years in a row. Well, I guess swept Sugano this year because he wasn't there last year. Oh, Matt Moore got a ring. He did get a ring, yeah. He got a ring. And he was very good. He had like a sub 2.7 ERA. He, I think he had a little bit of injury problems this year. I didn't see him pitch for a while, but... He was very good when he was pitching. Um, he pitched one game in the Nippon series through seven no-hit innings. And then they took him out because his pitch count was through the roof. He had like 110 pitches through seven. But oh, my. Yeah, Matt Moore is a guy that innings. I can yeah. see. That's good. That's that's awesome to hear. Matt Moore is a guy that um, – big prospect with the Rays. Um, I want to yeah. say he was – you know, he was – he was up there with, with Trout and Harper at the time when they were on the prospect board and MLB.com had it ranked pretty high. Baseball America ranked pretty high. Baseball America. Um, and uh, I'm forgetting one here. Well, whatever. They all, they all had it ranked pretty high. and Great stuff. Uh, but as you mentioned, I mean, walk totals, pitch count, that came back to bite him. Had really good stuff, but just was – always getting hit around i, I mean one year with the giants I yeah think looking at it here at his baseball reference page 15 losses uh i know we don't look at losses and wins that often for a starting pitcher but gave up the most earned runs in the national league i mean it was not a good year for him uh and it's it's good that who knows maybe he's a guy that could come back so are are the foreigner players on japan is there a limit for them oh yeah there's a limit of four per team you can't have four pitchers you can't have four position players there has to be some sort of mix Mm. 
And I think once a guy plays 10 years in Japan, they lose that foreigner status and they can just play as like a normal guy and it won't count against their foreigner total. Who would be the most, like the, the guy that's played in Japan, who is American, the longest? Like trying to, um, I mean, that that's a question that we might have to research after the fact. But, right, yeah. Um, it, it would definitely be interesting to think like foreigner leaders, like in terms well, of... Well, I mean, there's a few guys who come to mind, not necessarily from America only, but uh, oh, yeah, recently, yeah. Vladimir Ballantine, he's been oh, like that's seven, right. eight years. Mm-hmm. And he kind of became the home run king in Japan for a while. Uh, Same with SoftBank was, I guess, at the start of the season, struggled a lot and didn't really even play that much, didn't get that much of a role. Mm-hmm. But is, he, is Juan Francisco in Japan or Korea? I'm pretty sure I, he's in Japan. Because I know he was, he was, or maybe I saw a highlight of him in Winter League. It might have been Winter League, but... Yeah, he was um, he was in Japan in 2015. Yeah, that guy had serious power. If any of you guys listening or watching, yeah, remember Juan Francisco. He's the guy that hit the ball into the Ohio River, out of Great American Ballpark. Uh, had a ton of power. Unfortunately, didn't do anything defensively. Um, but I mean, this guy had serious power. And I looked. He is playing the Dominican Winter League right now, and he's hitting 200. So <laughs> he's hitting 290 at bats. So Juan Francisco tearing it up. Um, uh, so that, that's definitely interesting. What about um, there's something else I was going to mention. Are, are is it only one year deals? So if you're if if I'm a if I'm Adam Jones and I'm going to Japan, do I take a one year deal or are there you know multiple years on the deal? How does that work, or is it a year by year thing? Well, I mean it depends because. Like, Adam Jones got a two-year deal in Japan. Mm-hmm. There's guys who sign in Japan sometimes out of necessity because they can't get an MLB job. Like, for instance, Casey McGee in, what, 2013? He signed with the Rockton Golden Eagles because he wasn't getting getting offers in America. He struggled mightily in 2012 with two teams. Went to Japan 2013, was one of the best players in Japan. Hit 28 home runs and almost a 300 average. Finding analytics for Japanese players is, or players who play in Japan is very hard. There's one site that does it, but you have to pay for it. So I don't oh, really want to do that. So you kind of have to stick to the traditional stats. But he was very good. And he signed a one-year deal there because he wanted a chance to get back to America. He won a ring that year. And the next year he got to sign with the Marlins, became the comeback player of the year. So... It depends. People who want to play in Japan, like what Adam Jones did, they're probably going to be more open to signing multi-year deals. But typically, it's just a one-year deal thing. Yeah, I'm interested to know. I wonder how many players come back to the States um, and, like, pick up on, like, fluent... It's probably really hard to pick up on fluent Japanese, but, like, I mean, they, they probably come back knowing some form of Japanese like I'm I, I can't I can't remember anybody coming back and just like whipping out Japanese randomly but um well I mean it's like guys who come from Japan or from Korea to America like they're not going to know much but they're yeah. probably going to know the basics mm-hmm. Ichiro had a translator throughout his career but I think I think he knew a little bit more English than he caught on um 
There's uh, another uh, Ichiro, Ichiro spoke fluent English. He just didn't want to mess up any of his words. He didn't want any of his words to be misinterpreted, which is why he had the interpreter there, because speaking in Japanese and having someone whose job was to translate was easier than him translating it himself. Yeah, that makes sense. But he definitely spoke fluent English. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember watching a clip of him with Bob Costas, and he was asked the uh, the uh, his favorite American expression. And uh, you guys at home would have to go look up that on YouTube and, and get back to me because it is an amazing clip. Um, anyhow, uh, let's let's uh, let's wrap up here with some of the some of your just expectations for the future of the Japanese league. Do you see any changes coming? I know the analytics have rocked major league baseball. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing so many home runs and for some reason it's become like acceptable to strike out in today's game. And I know Japan's very different. You mentioned at the beginning of the show, small ball, small ball has been a big part of what they do speed. There's a lot of quick guys down there. There's, you know, they make a living off elite bat control. So really, inter- you know, as you mentioned, pitching. Pitching is big down there. So do you see any of, like, the trends in Major League Baseball going to Japan, like the home runs and such? Well, probably not for this generation because there's still a lot of older managers, a lot of older GMs, a lot of older – or I guess owners don't matter as much. But probably with the next generation when the managers – get replaced when the gms get replaced that's probably when they're going to start going more into analytics um i know that one website's like it it's the only site i can find besides delta graphs that shows japanese uh analytics so it hasn't really taken off there yet but i would like to say that in the next generation it might be a thing that happens mm-hmm. yeah for sure well, I'm excited to see and some of these players. I know, that, I know that's SoftBank. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, so SoftBank, the team that has swept Sugano two years in a row in the Giants, um, they've won, I think, four Nippon series in a row, and like seven out of the last eight or something. So they're a full-on dynasty, and the only team that was able to beat them was uh, was the Nippon Fighters with Shohei Otani in 2016. I know that the owner of SoftBank, who owns the Hawks, has said that he wants to win 10 times in a row. So that is probably, probably going to stick with old school stats for that because it's worked for them thus far. So I think that at least for them, the best team in Japan, the dynasty in Japan right now, they're probably going to stick with old school stats. But for teams that are struggling, like the Orcs Buffaloes, who are the worst team in that specific league, they might be more willing to try new things out and like experiment, you know? Yeah, get Ichiro in there. Bring him back. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> bring him back as a coach. Let him uh, be like a hitting coach. Bring him back as a player. I mean, that guy's going to be 80 years old and still in playing shape. Could still oh, yeah. you know, look good I think in he's a, a high school coach now. So oh, he's he's got he could do high school coach and like he could coach you know at the you know at the professional level. I mean that guy's an absolute monster. He's you know he'll be back. We'll see him soon for his Hall of Fame speech in the coming years. Um, Hopefully, yeah, he, he's um, unless for some reason you know he gets PED ties against him, which probably won't happen. But um, 
anyways, this was a great conversation. I'm glad that we could finally have you on. Um, I, I know I've seen you in, in replies and I'm just like, Oh, I got to get them on. I got to get them on. Um, and I'm glad that I started this. If you guys would like to kind of do something similar uh, as Shoy today, uh, I put a link. I'll put a link down at the bottom of the YouTube video. I'll put a link on the uh, on the podcast description as well, wherever you may be listening, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So if you want to join me and you could pick the topic, we could have a lot of fun. Um, I know I learned a lot today, so that's awesome. Sure, I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Where, do you want to plug yourself? Uh, here, I'll change my name on the Zoom. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Because the Twitter sphere is, is always a great place right to there. share. There we go. That's There's his... Uh, we like to see it. At yeah. U-Y-O-H-S underscore. So go... Um, Go check out that page. Great uh, baseball stuff going down it right now. It looks like Jim Cott thinks that Kent Maeda is the next Sandy Koufax or the <laughs> Japanese Sandy Koufax. Oh, yeah, um, he was a rookie, and uh, they said that. I don't know why they said that, but I thought it was really funny. That is hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, you guys could follow the podcast as well on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. Uh, Happy New Year again, everybody. Hope everybody's staying safe. Uh, wear a mask, please. You know, just wear it. I mean, there's there's no really way that you shouldn't be able to wear a mask. I didn't word that right, but wear a mask and stay safe. Uh, thank you guys for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.